We're all familiar with the idea of, of cravings, especially when it comes to like craving food. I remember when Kelly was pregnant with Caitlin. I came home from work one day to find her in the kitchen eating whole kernel corn out of the can cold. Now, she didn't like corn and wouldn't eat corn, but she was eating it just straight out of the can. And, and I kind of looked at her surprised at what she was doing. And she said in, in really this scary voice, what? The baby wants corn. And I just sort of slowly backed out of the kitchen. Now, when Kelly tells the story, she says the corn was in a plastic bowl and had been heated up in the microwave, but that was simply not true. Cold out of the can. Now, cravings are not uncommon in our lives, though we mostly associate them with things like food, physical cravings. But what about spiritual cravings? Are there spiritual things that as disciples of Jesus we should long for, we should crave? Well, the answer to that is yes. Open your Bible to 1 Peter 2, verses 1 through 3 is what we're going to read. It should be page 935 in your pew Bible. When you find that, I'm going to ask you to stand to honor the reading of God's Word. Peter writes, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. And like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. title of the message this morning is Christian Cravings. Let's pray. Our Father, we love you today. You are great and awesome. You are worthy of our praise and worthy of our devotion. Guide us this morning to have ears to hear what you're saying to us through the word. Let your Holy Spirit come. And let him make the word living and active and challenge us where we need challenging, encourage us where we need encouraging, strengthen us where we need strengthening, convict us where we need convicting. Father, just let him do whatever needs to be done in our lives. Father, we want to be more like Jesus. It's the reason we're here. We're not here to check a box. We're not here just because it's Sunday. We're here because we long to meet with you. We long to be made more like Christ. So. Do your work in our lives today. Fill me with your spirit. Give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech. That I would speak your words and your ways for your glory. We ask all this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. So this passage is, you see, therefore, it's built off the last few verses in chapter 1. Now, a major part of the, the, the idea of verses, chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, is that disciples of Jesus have been born again through the Word of God. And that leads to verses 1 and 2. And the idea of verses 1 and 2 of Second Peter or 1 Peter 2 is that since we have believed the gospel, since we have been born again, we should desire the things mentioned in verses 1 and 2. Now, there's an interesting contrast in chapter 1 and chapter 2. If you look at chapter 1, uh, verse 14 through 16 really 14 and 15, it says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to your former lusts, which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who has called you, be holy in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So the idea, before we were born again, we were ignorant of the things of God, and we lived to fulfill the desires 
of our sinful nature, of our pleasure. That's the way we were then. But now in chapter 2, we have been born again. Therefore, we're to live differently than we did prior to our salvation. Now, this is not really a major part of the message itself, but it is something to always realize. If we live exactly like we've always lived, if there is no marked difference in our life after coming to Jesus than there was prior to coming to Jesus, we, we honestly ought to question whether or not we've actually been to Jesus. Because the point here is we were one way, but now we ought to be something different. We've been born again through the Word of God, through the Spirit of God, and there should be evidence of our new birth. Now, part of the evidence is laid out in verses 1 and 2. These are the things that we, we desire, and, and that's kind of the point. Part of being born again is we have a new longing, a new desire. We crave things we never craved before. This point is made explicit in verse 3. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. When we believe the gospel and we're born again, we were given a taste of the, the graciousness, the goodness, the kindness of the Lord. And it makes us want more. Now, the idea of if in verse 3 is since. Since we have tasted the kindness of the Lord, we should desire the things mentioned in verses 1 and 2. Now, we don't have time today. To look at verse 1 and the idea that we, we crave, we long for holiness. And so we put those things out of our lives. But that's something we should all study on our own. Today we're focused on verse 2. Since we have been born again, since we have tasted the kindness of the Lord, then we should long for the pure milk of the Word. So our, our key thought today is those who have tasted the kindness of God have a deep longing for the Word of God. Those who have tasted the kindness of God have a deep longing for the word of God. We long for the word of God because we have tasted the goodness of God. Now, the word long, it means an intense desire or crave. It also pictures a willingness to do whatever is necessary to acquire this desire. And it also the word in the Greek, it implies the, the, that it is the desire is active and it is objective. In other words, this is a continual desire and not just anything will satisfy it. In this case, we have a continual desire that can only be satisfied by the word of God. So since we have been born again, since we have tasted the kindness of the Lord. There is within us as born again disciples of Jesus a deep longing for the word of God. But it's not a passive longing. It's not a longing where we sit down and be like, oh, I sure need some of the Bible. I sure need to read the Bible. I sure need some Bible. It is active. It, it gets us up and it makes us do whatever is necessary so that we can acquire what we desire. But it's also, it is also specific, right? Nothing else will satisfy this desire. We, we can't, this, the desire that being born again produces in us can't be satisfied by, by just any book. It can't be satisfied by just any sort of thing we might hear. It is 
Only those things that are based and built in and by and are the word of God. Since we have been born again, we should desire the word of God. But notice not just the word of God, but the pure milk of the word. The word for pure there, it it means without fraud or undiluted or unmixed. The word that was used there was often used by wine sellers at this time to talk about how their wine was better than others. A common practice among wine sellers was to to get this pure wine and then mix it with water to dilute it down. And, And of course, you know what this would allow. What this allowed was the wine seller to make more money. The wine went longer as they diluted it down with water. Now, the one who bought got obviously got less wine, but the wine seller himself made more money. So some who would say we're not like that, they would say we have pure wine. It was undiluted. There was no water mixed with it. It was just the straight stuff. The picture here then is that we want... The word itself. Right? We, we don't want commentaries. And we don't want devotionals. We just want the pure word of God. Since we have been born again. Since we have tasted the, the kindness of the Lord. We, we want God's word. And we're told that the desire is similar to. To that of a a newborn baby wanting something to eat. Now, if you've ever raised a kid, you know that babies go from happy baby to rage disorder baby in .0002 seconds when they're hungry. And when this happens, they don't want anything else. They don't want to be rocked. They don't want to go for a ride in the car. They don't want to be told how cute they are. They don't want to be shown a bottle. They want food. And they want it now or else. Nothing else will satisfy them at that moment. That craving, that longing they have. The picture in verse 2 is that the way a, a hungry baby desires food should be the way born again disciples of Jesus desire the word of God. We want it. We want it now. Nothing else will do. I don't want. I just want what God has said. Now, something we may not realize with this, but we should, is this would include the preaching of the word as well as our personal reading and studying of God's word. As Americans, we are exceedingly blessed when it comes to God's word. All it takes for us to study God's word is to pick up our personal translation, our personal copy of God's word, of which we probably have multiple. Or we can open up our electronic device and open one of the, the many Bible version app, the Bible apps that are on uh, for any electronic device out there, we could Google, can I get a free Bible? And there's hundreds of organizations that will gladly send you a free Bible, probably of whatever translation you want. You can even go to websites like blueletterbible.org where you can read basically every copy, every translation of the Bible known to man and have it at your fingertips. And since we have such access to God's Word, when we see things like this, we often automatically apply it in a personal level. What this is talking about is my desire for God's word is just me and God's word, just me and my Bible alone at our house, just there. However, personal copies of God's word were all but non-existent 
at the time Peter wrote this. I mean, if you were like extremely wealthy, you probably could afford a personal copy of part of a book of the Bible. But all of them, that's like beyond, beyond. So in order for them to do what Peter is talking about here, what they had to do was they had to gather together for worship. That they couldn't just sit at home and read their own Bible because that didn't exist. What they had to do was gather with other believers, other disciples of Jesus, and study God's word together. Now, while this desire would certainly apply to our personal study of God's word, it cannot be limited to only that. A desire, this longing for God's word Peter is talking about is a a hunger to personally study God's Word and a hunger to hear it preached and to hear it taught. That's why preaching is a part of worship. To worship God is simply to declare His worth. It's not necessarily singing. It's not necessarily giving. All of those things are acts of worship. Worship, the essence of worship, is to declare God's worth. God is worthy. And so we declare his worthiness. We say God is worthy. And so we intentionally come together. And we we gather and we sing his praise because he is worthy of that time. And we listen to his word as it's taught. And we study his word together because he is worthy. God is worthy Of me studying the word on my own. But God is also worthy. Of me investing hours of my week. To gather with his people in his name. To study his word. We declare. I mean you think about what we do here. Nobody. I mean this is an unusual thing. If you really think about it. Now we were all raised here. In America where this was a common thing. But outside of Christian culture. What other organization do you gather a couple of times a week, sing songs, and listen to somebody teach out of the same book week after week after week? Now, to the watching world, this is, I mean, silliness. But what we're doing is we are saying God is worthy. God is worthy of me getting up early on Sunday morning. God is worthy of me coming out on a Wednesday night. God is worthy of me arranging my schedule so I can come and listen to His Word. So that I can gather from it. God is worthy of me taking time at home to study His Word. So this is the longing those who are born again have. The question I want us to ask ourselves this morning is do we see this sort of desire for God's word reflected in our lives? Right now, again, the Sunday school answer is, of course I do. But remember how this desire is described. It is an intense desire for the word of God. Could we, you and I, 
honestly say, I have an intense desire for God's word. It, it, it pictures a willingness to do whatever is necessary to acquire this desire. Do we see in our lives a, a willingness that I'm going to do whatever I have to do so that I can be where God's word is. That I can study it and I can hear it. It is an active desire. So it's always there. The desire for God's word spoken of here won't be satisfied in this service. It's not a desire that I've gone to church. I heard an hour long sermon. I'm stuffed. I'm done for the week. It's not that. It's a desire that will be continually be there. This will satisfy for a while. Then there's going to be a need for more tomorrow, maybe to later this afternoon, but definitely tomorrow, the day after that and the day after that and the day after that. And it's an objective desire. Nothing else will satisfy it. I can't I won't sit at home and say, I desire God's word. I better see what's on the TV. Boop. Oh, this is good enough. I'll do this instead. That won't satisfy it. All that will do was. It'd be like drinking sand on a hot day. It'll just make the desire stronger because you want God's word. It won't be enough to read a book about God's word. It won't be enough to read a, a Christian author and call that God's word. It will be a desire that only God's word will fulfill, will satisfy. Do we see this kind of desire reflected in our lives. Because according to what we see here, those who have been born again, those who have tasted the kindness of God, have this kind of deep longing for the Word of God. It isn't something that we work up. It is something that comes as a part of being born again. Old desires are taken out and new desires are put in. And our longing just sort of naturally becomes for the Word of God. Now what I want to do in the last part is, is give us, I think from my notes, I can't remember, but three reasons why this desire, this deep longing comes. First is that we first experienced God's goodness, God's kindness through God's Word. Look at verse 22. And, and notice the centrality of God's word in all of this. Since you have purified your souls. How? Through the obedience of the truth. God's word. In a sincere love of the brothers and sisters fervently love each other from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but of imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and its glory is like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. You see, there was a point in all of our lives we had never experienced the goodness, the grace, the kindness of God. And then there came a point to where we knew we needed God. 
And that came about through the word of God. Through God's word, we learned about our sin. And and while we may not have liked that what we did was called sin, we accepted that, yes, we did those things. And through God's word, we learned that sin had a wage. The wages of sin was death. And again, we may not have liked the wages of our sin was death. We could see that's clearly what it was. And, and over time, we began, that began to press upon us. And we wondered, how, how do I get out from underneath this just wrath of God that is upon me? And it was through the word that we heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. We heard about a Savior who came. And lived a sinless life that we couldn't have lived. And he died the death that we actually deserved. And he rose from the dead on the third day. And now he calls us to come to him. To lay our burdens down. To find rest for our souls. To find forgiveness. He was the cure for our sin. And our condemnation. He was what our hearts had always longed for anyway. But how do we come to know Such a Savior. Well, through the Word, we learned we must repent of our sins and we must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we do, we are forgiven. Our sins are taken away and we were born again. And we learned through the Word that we must actively respond to this. And when we repented and believed like God's Word told us to, We experience that first taste of God's kindness, God's goodness, God's grace. We knew we were forgiven. We knew we had been born again. We knew God was at work in our lives. We knew Jesus was our Savior. And when you first experience the goodness of God through the Word of God, I mean, there is a natural response of, I I, I want more. I want more of that. Where can I find it? How, How do I learn more about this? And so it creates a longing for good, for the goodness of God. And we it brings us to the word of God. Secondly, we know God through studying his word, through studying God's word. So, and these kind of flow one after the other, right? We experience God's goodness through God's word, so we want more of it. And as we begin to study God's word, we begin to learn about the God of the word. But one of the key truths to to really understanding God's word is that God is the star of the show. Now, there's a great supporting cast in God's word. Abraham, Moses, Isaiah, Malachi, Matthew, Paul, Peter, and many others. But ultimately, God's word is about God and his desire to redeem humanity through his son, Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, we learn how God created humanity. We learn how God was merciful to people despite their sin. We learn how people responded to God and loved God and and imperfectly lived for God and worshipped God. We learn about things that please God and we're encouraged 
to emulate those examples. We learn about things that anger God and we're encouraged to avoid those things. We learn God would send a Messiah who would redeem mankind and bring them to God, to the kind of relationship we were meant to have with God. In the New Testament, we learn this Messiah's name was Jesus. And he himself was God in the flesh who came to be God with us. We learn about Jesus and his teachings and his miracles. We learn what it takes to follow Jesus, what it looks like to follow Jesus. We learn about Jesus' patience with people who are slow to understand. And how quickly Jesus was angered at dead, dry religion that didn't care about people. We learn about Jesus' death on the cross for our sins. We learn about his victorious resurrection from the dead. We learn Jesus has given his people a mission to make disciples of all nations. We, we see how Jesus empowered his disciples to fulfill this mission. And we learn that one day he's coming back. And when he does, he will separate the sheep from the goats. All of God's word is about God and his desire to redeem humanity through Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus said. He tells the Pharisees, you examine the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is those very scriptures that testify about me. Now, we don't have time to get into it, but at the time Jesus said that, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and all the others were not written. Jesus was talking about the Old Testament. Jesus, God, is the star, Old And New Testament. Martin Luther said about this. Here Christ would indicate the principal reason why the scripture was given by God. Men are to study and search it in order to learn that he, he, Mary's son, is the one who is able to give eternal life to all who come and believe on him. Therefore, he who would correctly and profitably read scripture should seek that he finds Christ in all of it. And then he finds eternal life without fail. God's word Reveals God. God's word reveals God's son. People ask. How can I know God better? How can I know Jesus better? And my answer is always the same. And it will always be the same. Read God's word. Listen to faithful preaching. From God's word. Don't read books about Jesus. Those are fine as an extra. Read God's word. Read God's word. Listen to faithful preaching from God's word. God's word is the story of God and his plan to redeem humanity through Jesus Christ. We will never grow to know God the Father better apart from studying his word and listening to faithful preaching from the word. We will never grow to know God, to grow to know God the Son better apart from personally studying the Word and listening to faithful preaching from God's Word. We will never grow to know God the Holy Spirit better apart from studying God's Word and listening to sound preaching from God's Word. Since God's Word is the story of God and His desire to redeem people through Jesus, we, we long for God's Word so we can better know the God who has saved us. So we can better know the Savior who has died for us. So we can better know the Spirit who lives within us and empowers us to do the will of our Father. Again, this isn't something that is extra that we make happen. When when Kelly and I first started dating and I realized she was special, she was different. 
Nobody had to make me try to spend time with her. They had to make me stop so I wouldn't flunk out of school and get fired from my job. Nobody had to make me, if she wrote me a letter, nobody had to make me read it. If we understand who God is, and we understand what Christ has done, and this book is the only book God has sent for His people, there should be an internal desire, a longing. I want more of God, and so I'm going to be in His Word because this is where I know God. This is where I learn God. This is when I know how to live for God. It should make sense that if we have tasted the kindness of God, we have an intense longing for the Word of God. And then thirdly and finally, we experience God's goodness through God's Word. That leads us to want to know God better so we know God through studying His Word. But then just knowing is enough. We want to be different than we are. And so our lives are transformed through God's Word. Now look at what Peter says the last of verse 2. We read all of verse 2. And like newborn babies... Long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. We need the word of God to grow spiritually. If a baby is not fed, he becomes malnourished and will not grow or develop normally. In a similar way, in the same way, a disciple of Jesus who is not properly nourished with the word of God will not grow spiritually and will not develop spiritually. Instead, they will live their lives as spiritually immature Christians who have never grown into the fullness of their salvation. There's always more. There is always more God wants to do in us and through us and for us. As long as we're in this life, we have yet to arrive. And we do this, God's word is a critical aspect of this. To grow into the fullness of our salvation, of everything God wants for us. We have to make progress in what is called sanctification. Sanctification is the process of becoming more like Jesus. Now, God himself oversees and actively works in us and through us and for us to sanctify us. Sanctification is not the result of self-improvement or positive visualization. Sanctification is not the result of turning over a new leaf or determining to be better. Instead, it is God working. Through the disciple of Jesus, working in disciples of Jesus, through his spirit, through his word, to change the heart, the mind, the will, the very nature of the disciple of Jesus. Every aspect of our life will change in sanctification. Our values, our priorities, our attitudes, our thinking, how we treat people, the relationships we have, how we react to stressors. There's just nothing in our lives that is not going to be changed as disciples of Jesus. We were not saved to stay the same. We were saved to become like Jesus. And there is a lot of work in all of us that needs to be done before we become like Jesus. And God's word is central to this. Jesus prayed this. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. There are three things God uses to sanctify us. Spirit of God, the Word of God, and our decision of faith. Now, while God is in control of our sanctification, we must cooperate 
if we're to progress in sanctification. So what happens is we study God's word or we hear God's word preached. And the Holy Spirit takes something from the word and says, this is not right. You're doing this and you ought not be doing it. You're not doing this and you ought to be doing it. And at that point, that conviction is there and we have a choice to make. Will we cooperate with what the Spirit of God is showing us from the Word of God? Or will we reject what the Spirit of God is showing us from the Word of God? When we cooperate and the Holy Spirit says, take this and remove it from your life. When we do that and we confess it and we seek to forsake it, we progress in sanctification. We become more like Jesus. More spiritual, more Christ-like. On the other hand, when the Spirit of God takes something from the Word of God and says, change this, and we're like, no, I don't want to change that. I'm very comfortable with this. I like this. I'm not going to do it. We build up a barrier in our mind and a blockage between us and God. And we become more worldly. And we begin to drift further and further away from Jesus. Every time we say no to the Spirit of God as we reveal something from the Word of God, we don't stay where we are. We always push ourselves away. In a lot of ways, since our relationship with God is built upon His love for us, God's showing us these things as God's expression of loving us. So God tells us, I love you. And this is something that needs to be fixed. And what we respond with is, well, I just kind of want to be friends. Right? I just, I don't want to go to hell, but I don't want all that. And it pushes us away from God. Because the reality is, we can't friend zone God, as it were. God is either intimately involved in our lives, or we are pushing ourselves away from Him. Now, this sort of change is not a one-time event. I wish it was. I, I wish there was one really big prayer we could pray or one really big decision we would make and we would be entirely sanctified. And just like Jesus, man, that would be easy. I, I would just, I mean, I would just sit here at the altar and pray till my knees shattered if that's what it took. But if I did that, it wouldn't, it wouldn't really do it. Sanctification is a process. It starts the moment we're saved. God immediately begins to deal with us about things in our lives that aren't as they should be. And it continues over and over, day after day, week after week. Until we go home to be with glory, go home to be with Jesus. Now, it should make sense to us. that This is a continual process since the goal of sanctification is to be like Jesus. I, I don't think any of us would be so arrogant as to say, I have arrived. I am just like Jesus. I think like Jesus. I speak like Jesus. I have the same values and priorities and attitudes and actions and I react to stressors just like Jesus. Everything in my life is just like Jesus. It's not. Now, that's not to say we haven't grown and we haven't made progress. There's still work to be done. And as long as there's work to be done, sanctification is continually happening. But sanctification requires us to be in God's word. We are sanctified through the truth of God's word. We are sanctified through the work of the spirit of God. As he takes the word of God. And begins to press on us in different areas 
of our life. Now, again, since we have tasted the kindness of the Lord and we are obedient children and we know we're to be holy as He is holy, we, we long for it. We don't long for holiness out of self-righteousness. We don't long for holiness out of legalism. We long for holiness because we want to be more like Jesus. We want to be closer to Jesus. And we know our sin is always a hindrance to that. And so, we have an intense longing for the Word of God. And again, it's not something that's added that we force. It's just... (laughs) I know there's more to know. I know there's something God wants to do in me, through me, and for me in the Word. And so I'm going I'm to be where it's preached. I'm going to spend time there. I, I long. I, I must. I must have time in God's Word. So the question that we come to the close is, have you tasted the kindness, the goodness The grace of God. And if you would say, yes, I have. I have been born again. I have tasted the kindness of the Lord. And the follow up question is, do you have a deep longing for the word of God? Do you have, again, the kind of longing we we, we talked about? The kind of longing that is active and not passive. Do whatever it takes to acquire this desire. A desire that is specific. It is for the word of God and, and nothing else will satisfy it. It is an intense longing that, that means I will always seek it. I will always go for it and I will not settle for anything else. Do we have that kind of a longing for God's word in our lives? As disciples of Jesus, we, we should. We have tasted the kindness of the Lord. We should. And if we don't, it ought to bother us. As disciples of Jesus and as people of the book. We should continually be examining our lives through the lens of God's word. So we can see where our lives do not line up. And then make whatever adjustments are necessary so our lives do line up. When our lives do not line up with God's word, it should bother us. And we should be something we take very seriously. If God's word, if I have explained this passage correctly, and I think I have. But if I have. And those who have been born again through the word of God and have tasted the kindness of God have an intense longing for the word of God. And you don't have an intense longing for the word of God. Something is not right in your life. And let me be clear. The word of God is not wrong. The word of God is not out of line. The word of God is not setting the bar too high that we can't acquire it. Something is wrong. We are out of line. We are wrong. We are the problem. Now we may be thinking, well, how serious is it really? I mean, 
don't really have that sort of longing, but I mean, I come to church and I, I live a moral life and I'm not really in the Word. Surely it's not that important, is it? Well, again, let's look at the illustration Peter gives us. He illustrates it as newborn babies. One of the first signs that something was wrong with Elizabeth after she was born was that she stopped desiring food. Her lack of desire for food demonstrated something was wrong with her. Something serious was wrong with her. In the same way, a lack of deep longing for God's word demonstrates something is wrong in our spiritual life. Something is badly wrong. The deep longing for God's word. The deep longing that leads us to to be in God's word demonstrates we are spiritually healthy. But the lack of desire, the lack of seeking, the lack of getting to the word. It indicates something is wrong. At best. We have slidden back in our relationship with Christ. We may have slidden back through sin. We may have slidden back through neglect. But we have slidden back. There is such a great need for us to understand where there is no deep longing for the word of God. There is a problem in our relationship with God. Because those who have tasted the kindness of God, they have a deep longing for the word of God. So the question is, if we don't have that longing what is wrong again at best we've slidden back but I think we always have to consider also it may mean we never actually tasted the kindness of God it is possible that this lack of desire means we were never born again through the word of God so that's a question we have to work through Is my lack of a desire because I'm a backslider in heart? Or is my lack of desire because I've never truly been born again to begin with? Friend, I I can't answer that question for you. That's something each of us must find out and settle on our own. And if that desire is missing, then I urge you to seek the Lord this morning and find out why. It shouldn't be something we have to build up and work up and make ourselves do. There should be a longing for it. When you have to make a baby eat, something is wrong. When you have to make a Christian study the Word, something is wrong. So we're going to end today just with that. Time to examine. Time to pray. Time to make sure we're as we ought to be in our hearts and our relationship with Christ. So let's stand.